Sick Boy Podcast is a health and comedy show about what it's like to be sick. Wait, is that right? How can illness be funny? You'd be surprised. Okay. Sick Boy is hosted by me, Brian Stever. And me, Taylor McGilvery. And myself, Jeremy Saunders. Come on in and join us to melt your heart, learn something fascinating, and bust a belly laugh. Trust us, you'll be glad you did. You can find Sick Boy on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your pods. This is a CBC Podcast. Yes, so uh, my name is Peter Uni. I'm the uh, scientific director of Ontario's COVID-19 science advisory table and the professor of medicine and epidemiology at the University of Toronto. So I'm uh, basically, I don't know what I'm actually doing. I'm, I'm basically running the show uh, in the background and uh, sometimes in the foreground um, regarding any scientific activity of the table. I try to coordinate them involved in most of the research. Do you get any sleep? I do actually, which is good. Uh, I'm completely useless if I don't have enough sleep. I made a mistake about, uh, I don't know, 10 days ago where I had to do something for my research center. I so theoretically still have a day job. Well, one of my colleagues look out, looks after it and I had to do something and I didn't uh, sleep enough from Sunday to Monday and I was useless for about four or five days. So I get enough sleep, otherwise I'm useless. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman and I also happen to be an emergency physician. And so I'm kind of curious, when was the last time you went to the ER? And I'm betting not since the pandemic began. Today, we're talking about the results of all those skipped or delayed trips to the emergency department because of COVID. New data in Ontario shows a significant number of excess deaths since the pandemic began. If you don't live in Ontario, I can't imagine, though, that it's all that different. So, OK, just because it's Ontario. Dr. Peter Uni is also one of the authors of Ontario's report on excess deaths, which is what we're here to talk about. Dr. Uni, welcome to The Dose. Thanks a lot for having me. More than 25,000 Canadians have died from COVID, more than 8,500 of those in Ontario. Beyond those official numbers, how many excess deaths have there been in Ontario since the pandemic began? Well, we, we see quite a lot of excess deaths, actually, that may partially have been at the beginning of the pandemic due to non-diagnosed COVID-19 cases. But then, especially last summer, be related to a completely different reason. So in a situation where the pandemic, you know, is not completely under control and in a situation where you're living with a healthcare system that was already struggling before the pandemic actually started, what you will see is uh, an ongoing signal of excess deaths that uh, goes over and beyond what you would just uh, expect, you know, being related directly to COVID-19 and its consequences. In concrete terms, how do you define or how did you define excess deaths in this study? Well, uh, the uh, excess deaths were the deaths that would be expected over and above uh, of um, what was the average between 2017 and 2019. So um, what you see is a cyclic pattern of deaths. We know that in winter, we tend to have a higher risk of death than in the summer. A lot of that also related to infections, obviously. And the years 2017 to 2019 allowed us to uh, 
basically estimate an average. And all the deaths now above this average are considered to be excess deaths that were classified as either directly related to COVID-19 or not. So how much you looked at, uh, you, com- you used comparative data from the years 2017 to 2019. So compared to that, um, how, mu- how many more excess deaths or what was the percentage over that baseline of 2017 to 2019 that we would call excess deaths for purposes of this study? Yes, what we saw is that uh, during the entire pandemic, we had a roughly 13% increase in the number of deaths. And what we saw obviously was a clear cut peaks when we had um, the first and the second wave now probably followed by the third wave. A lot of that um, associated directly with COVID-19. But in addition to that, we also saw concerning signals of increased mortality between the waves. And this is then, you know, where um, other um, reasons of death come in that need to be considered as well. You know, there's a thought that some of these excess deaths were directly related to COVID, but some weren't. So, so what's the difference and how do you figure out that difference? What we see is that the COVID deaths happened predominantly at the, simultaneously to the, the waves, the first and the second waves. But then in addition, we see that between the waves that there's this uh, concerning increase in non-COVID related deaths. One reason is in an already strained healthcare system, what we start to see is that people are struggling more despite critical conditions such as cancer and cardiovascular conditions to get appropriate care also between the waves, you know, with the wait lists increasing, with the delay in care increasing already. And of course, the other part is also we will also see uh, more deaths uh, related to opioid addiction or drug addiction in general. So if earlier in the pandemic, especially during the first wave, maybe a bit of the second wave as well, a lot of those excess deaths were in fact due to COVID, why didn't we detect that they were due to COVID? When you look at the numbers, the case numbers during the first wave, these case numbers were probably underestimated by a factor of 5 to 10 as compared with the subsequent waves. Even though we know that, that we probably only detect one out of 2.5 cases with the current testing. But at the beginning of the pandemic, um, we really probably only detected one in 10 cases. And this also means that even for people who died, COVID-19 was most likely underdiagnosed in a considerable amount of people. I'm guessing right now that it's not been proven that those excess deaths were due to cancer deaths and cardiovascular deaths. Why do you think that that might be? It's most likely these um, causes of death, that's the causes of death that are most frequent in Western nations in general. You know, we know that cardiovascular and, uh, and cancer deaths, that's the, the major culprits. In addition, obviously, in the situation we're, we're in, we also see deaths due to addiction that are uh, concerning as well. We'll get to addiction in a moment because that, that's a separate and really important issue, especially with what we're hearing in, in, in Canada these days about opioid deaths. But, but I want to focus for a moment about, uh, on, on cancer and, and cardiovascular diseases. Why is it plausible that there would be an excess 
number of deaths due to these two causes during a pandemic? Oh, what we know, um, especially for these two conditions that are frequent, is that if you have delayed care, that this negatively impacts the prognosis. You know, we already know that from various studies internationally, for instance, when you look at um, people who are on wait lists to get a heart valve replaced. There are people dying on these wait lists and the longer you need to wait, depending on the severity of your of your valvular heart disease, the more challenging it gets from a, from a prognostic perspective. And it's relatively clear based on all the data we know that these sorts of challenges actually are happening here too. And, uh, you know, we have one of the other aspects that you can uh, probably... Um, talk too much more than I do, you know, being an emergency doc. Basically, we know that already that the care seeking behavior of people individually just has changed that people sometimes, even though they typically, you know, outside of a pandemic would go and uh, show up in an emergency room with their condition, they sometimes don't do that anymore. And that's probably an additional challenge which we need to face. So not all is wait lists. Part is also that people just change their care-seeking behavior and not always, you know, for their advantage. And certainly I can tell you as an emergency physician and my colleagues all agree that that starting with the declaration of the pandemic and and the rules changing on visitation in hospital and and the delay or the postponement of non-emergency surgery, that volumes of patients in the emergency department dropped dramatically and have not completely returned to baseline. You know, they, they, they crept up and then, and then once, once we got to the third wave, they went down and they've stayed down again. So we can theorize that people with cancer or cardiovascular disease were not getting the health care that they needed and that's why they died? Well, that's one of these situations where just a lack of showing up could have resulted even in acute deaths. We need to be aware of that. Whereas with the delays in cancer care, what's happening is, is a lot more subtle and doesn't happen that acutely than what probably uh, started to happen with, uh, with cardiovascular um, causes of death here. And that's one of the, of the you know, concerning elements that we're talking about here. You know, these excess deaths in an already really challenged healthcare system are most likely to continue beyond the pandemic because there is no way right now to understand yet how we can start to catch up on all the interventions that are necessary. Some of the cancer operations and the cardiovascular interventions that need to be done, they need to be done relatively fast and there is no way that we will be able to catch up within months on the long, long, long wait lists and the delay that resulted from this pandemic. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back in a moment. We're, we're really getting out on a limb when it comes to hypothesizing here, but if you take a person who has a delayed diagnosis of cancer, and let's just say they die in 10 years where an earlier diagnosis might have given them a survival of 20 years, um, their survival is compromised, but they won't show up in this survey as an excess death, will they? This is absolutely correct. You know, what we see here is the tip of the iceberg that uh, immediately uh, is uh, showing up just in uh, cremation records and all the long-term sequelae that we're talking about 
because of the uh, of the healthcare system, you know, being overwhelmed will show up much later. You know, just because a patient doesn't come to the emergency department with a heart attack and doesn't happen to die uh, within a matter of days or weeks, because that sometimes happens, they may go on to develop congestive heart failure and have years of illness due to congestive heart failure that might have been avoided had they come to the emergency department with their heart attack in the first place. Yes, of course. Yes, of course. We really we're talking about, you know, a lot of burden of disease um, that we don't yet fully understand. And this is not just about deaths. A lot of what's going on, you know, that that uh, just um, is associated with this pandemic will cause COVID-19 related and non-COVID-19 related burden of disease and suffering for years to come. I've spoken to patients in the emergency department who have, you know, at one point or another in their course of illness, come to the emergency department with conditions like appendicitis, bowel blockages, who delayed coming for treatment during the pandemic because they were scared to come in. What do we know about people's reasons for avoiding getting help? The limited information I have uh, is is indeed that the people are either concerned about the conditions uh, in the hospital, including visitation policies, etc., or they're concerned about the potential of uh, infecting themselves uh, with uh, with uh, COVID nineteen. And it's probably in many situations it's a combination of those two. On the other hand, the pandemic has given us an opportunity to look at cases in which no harm apparently was done by delays or cancellations. A study that was published just this week in the Canadian Medical Association Journal showed no serious consequences to patients uh, for reduced emergency department visits for common abdominal and gynecological conditions. What kind of opportunity does this present to reevaluate how we're allocating treatment? Well, I think it, it really depends on what we're talking about here. Um, not every condition is uh, is uh, similarly affected. That's that's the point here. It could well be that you know, for some conditions, the uh, the issues are much less pronounced. Fair enough. I can also tell you that that uh, just because we remove every appendix in every patient who has appendicitis doesn't mean that we had to. And, and oh, you know, for there sure. Is, there's actually there's actually studies that have shown that that conservative management of appendicitis might be a valid form of, of treatment for some patients. Oh, and we even have randomized trials, you know, that compare conservative management uh, with with a surgery. And there are situations where some of the habits that we've developed over time potentially would not, uh, you know, immediately or in all cases be associated with an improvement of prognosis, for sure. You know, one of my colleagues who is a, a chief of infectious diseases in a Swiss hospital, I mean, he treated uh, his appendicitis indeed with non-steroidals and antibiotics because he was on a congress in Paris, and uh, it actually worked well. You know, this leads me to to uh, the other side of this entire discussion. You know, the data that 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 this study that we've been talking about that you've presented is very important. But there's this other argument, and 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 that is that a lot of treatment may be unnecessary for certain conditions, and that the pandemic has exposed just how unnecessary, you know, some treatments are, for instance, colonoscopies for patients over the age of 85, uh, in some cases, joint replacement treatment. So how do you square, um, you know, the results of the study that we're talking about with, regarding excess deaths with, with this push to get the, the, the world to understand that some treatments are unnecessary? 
Oh, that's very difficult right now, you know, given the limitations of the data. But we need to be aware of that, that, um, you know, the habits we developed worldwide are just habits. And some of them are justified and indeed are associated with an improvement of prognosis or with a decrease in the burden of disease, whereas others are just habits and nothing else. And I think in the years to come, we will need just to, you know, literally have a post-mortem for you know the, to to improve our understanding about what is necessary and what is not and uh, avoid you know investing into unnecessary ones i promised i would get back to the subject of addiction and excess deaths we know that opioid deaths have gone up in the past year since the pandemic began how plausible is it that opioid deaths are a big part of these excess deaths, particularly in younger people? Oh, it's absolutely plausible. And, you know, we, we just need to be aware of we all were between a rock and a hard place with, uh, you know, the uh, the continued restrictions that, uh, that were happening during the last 15 months or so. And it's clear that uh, there was a lot of harm associated with them as well. Last week, Ontario announced its gradual framework for opening up. Other provinces are doing the same. Now that people have stayed away from the emergency department, how do we encourage them to go back uh, given successive waves of COVID and persistently lower ER volumes? Oh, I think, you know, it, it will be a real task at hand uh, for the province to clearly communicate the stage of the pandemic we're in, the extent of control that we're having, and just to uh, transparently communicate how things will need to go back to normal now. It's all about communication strategies for sure. Um, how to do that very specifically, I don't know yet. P people's behavior have changed. It will be important just to understand once we made it completely out of the third wave, you know, in July and August or so, whether things just bounce back to a more regular behavior of people or whether there needs to be, you know, specific campaigns that encourage people to seek help if help is required. And we have to create a framework that, by which patients feel more comfortable going to the hospital when they need care. Oh, by all means, for sure. We need that, absolutely. And we need to address, you know, the challenges we're having with, uh, with uh, you know, uh, addiction internationally again. This is a problem that is not just happening here, but I, I would believe that, uh, that the vast majority of, uh, of uh, Western countries, at least, has similar challenges ahead. And we just need to start to understand how we address that. We can't, you know, just snip with the finger and this will be gone. Even when we start to open up, some of these challenges will continue to be there and we need to address them very proactively. Dr. Peter Uni, thank you so much for speaking with us on The Dose. Thanks a lot for having me. Dr. Peter Uni is an epidemiologist and the scientific director of Ontario's science advisory table on COVID-19. Here's your dose of smart advice. Since the pandemic, the death rate is 13% higher than expected. During the first wave, a lot of those deaths were due to undiagnosed COVID from lack of testing. More recently, excess deaths are more likely due to cancer and heart disease, especially in older people, Excess deaths in younger Canadians are more likely due to addiction to opioids and other substances, as well as mental health causes. It's not just about excess deaths. The healthcare system should expect to see more patients with advanced cancer and severe heart disease that went undetected during the pandemic, a burden that will linger for years to come. 
During the pandemic, a lot of patients just stopped coming to the ER because they were afraid of catching COVID in hospital, a fear that has not materialized. As the pandemic ebbs, encouraging people to once again come to the ER when they need it will be a challenge. I've seen what can happen when people delay seeking care. If you think you need emergency care, don't hesitate. Go to the ER. If you have topics you'd like to hear on The Dose or questions you'd like answered, email us at thedose at cbc.ca. You can also tweet me at NightShiftMD or at CBCWhiteCoat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. You can find The Dose and White Coat Black Art wherever you get your podcasts. Please do us a favor and rate our shows highly so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Willow Smith with digital support from Fabiola Carletti. Thanks to Anne-Marie Carogonjo for technical operations. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.